This is the Howie RevOps Podcast. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm a senior RevOps consultant at GoNimbly. Aligning your go-to-market teams and the tech behind them is easier said than done. And in this podcast, we talk about how we get there. Welcome back to the Howie RevOps Podcast. Today's episode is our pilot episode, and it's all about what is RevOps. I'm Adam, and I'm a senior revenue operations consultant here at GoNimbly. And I'm joined by my colleague, Christy. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Christy, the director of marketing at Go Nimbly. I handle writing a lot about RevOps and trying to break it down for people who are new to the concept. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Fun fact, I report to Christy and she is a incredible supporter. She's really been encouraging me to do this podcast, which I really appreciate because sometimes it's hard to take ideas into reality. And on top of that, she's really fun to work with. So I'm looking forward to this episode and to get into what's RevOps and our takes on that. So Chrissy, how did you, how did you come into the RevOps space? Let's start there. Yeah. So our CEO, Jen, asked me, we went to high school together. So she knows that I've been doing writing pretty much always. So back in 2018, they were, GoNimbly was looking for somebody to help write blog posts and things like that. Um, and they brought me on as a freelance copywriter um, for some of that stuff and kind of got hooked on writing about RevOps and learning about RevOps from, you know, Jen and other people at the company who are really doing that work day to day with our customers. I really believe in it. I think it's super cool. So there's so many layers to it. I feel like there's a conceptual layer and then you get really down into the granule, like tactical stuff. Um, so yeah, I just kind of never left. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I came into it from the marketing side of things. I had turned 30 and was working in corporate America and was like, all right, this is going to be a thing I do for a while. I want to do something fun. I want to do something cool that felt like marketing and where things took a really interesting turn that I would have never expected was getting into the operation side of things. I didn't realize that that was where I was really passionate and just kind of felt comfortable getting things organized. I remember my, my parents giving me a hard time with my room always being messy growing up. But <laughs> for some reason, when it comes to marketing operations and now sales operations and customer success operations, I'm really keen on like, how can we organize this? How can we create systems that work? So totally. let's, let's pivot into... What is RevOps to you? I know what it is to me. I want to hear what it is for you. Like, what is RevOps? Yeah, I feel like I've done so many exercises of trying to like write this in the most simple way. So <laughs> I'm going to try and like step out of my copywriter voice for a second totally. and just say things. I think to me, revenue operations is just like a totally new way of looking at the way that your company works and mm. the way you work with the other people at your company. So I see a lot or we see a lot, you know, as the, with the companies we work with, we see a lot of leaders who want to optimize the way things are working, whether it's through tools or the operational things like processes. And they look at the customer experience as a separate piece from the operations and the tools that they're using. And it really isn't because all of it trickles downward to what your customer is experiencing when they work with you. So mm. to me, it's just that kind of that coming to Jesus moment where it's where you kind of realize that you all have to work together. However you measure your KPIs, they should all really be tied to the customer experience and, yeah. and really shaping your strategy around that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I definitely agree with that. And I'm excited to get into like what revenue operations isn't. So 
I really like this idea of it's how we think about the customer experience. So revenue operations, I've heard it pitched a lot as ah, to sales and marketing alignment rebranded, or we're just going to add weight onto people that work in sales operations or marketing operations. And it's, it's really different than that. D plus if you bring CS ops into the revenue table, um, but you know, we get into like the B plus A plus territory. We take a step back and we think about what the customer is feeling. I know that as somebody that came up on the marketing side, you're always in this arm wrestle over what's an MQL, right? And I think mm -hmm. if we take a step back and we think, what's the customer feeling when they MQL too early and they get bombarded by sales calls, they're not ready. That's really where we get to this place where RevOps is changing the way that we think about things. And it's really improving the alignment between those teams other than just saying, oh, they have shared goals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, MQLs are not all created equal, right? I know, obviously, they <laughs> they, they go into Salesforce the same way or HubSpot or whatever, um, but they are not. And you really have to kind of think about what the customer behavior is to really nail down what the MQL should be and yeah. when to actually start going after um, sales. So let me ask you this. What is RevOps not? <laughs> or like, what if we heard or seen that we're just like, eh, I don't think that's right. Yeah, I think that there's, um, this is something that Jen also talks about a lot because I think um, people have the tendency to want to make it a reorg. They want to make it about how, like what the teams are called and how the teams are like working together in a, in a more superficial sense. I think saying like, oh, we're all just one RevOps team. But if you don't do the work to really iron out those processes and get to the bottom of like why there were silos to begin with, I think it's really difficult to actually become aligned. So I think RevOps is not a reorg. I feel like that's a, a nice motto for us, a little, little tagline, just because it's easy to, to do the reorg part, I think, or easy to start in that direction because it kind of shows the most change as quickly as possible. But uh, I think it's not really getting to the to the core of, of what RevOps is. Rolling out RevOps as a reorg reminds me of the other end of the spectrum, which is this whole thing of like, build it and they will come. So operators will have an idea or a vision or a new tool, and they'll just do the thing and they think, all right, it'll make that change, we'll get there. With C-suite leaders, it's sort of like, all right, we'll do a reorg, we'll change titles, we'll change the structure, and then everything will come together. And I think there's so much in the middle of why that cake doesn't bake. Yeah, absolutely. I think you really need to like, you need to sit down with your people and talk to them and interview and like really get to the meat of why things aren't working the way that they are currently um, in order to like really drive change that people are going to be receptive to. For sure. This makes me think about what RevOps isn't. And I mentioned before, it's just, it's not a rebrand of sales and marketing alignment. And why I feel so passionate about that is that RevOps is about including CS ops, so customer success teams. It's a really crucial component. I think that's what makes RevOps different than just sales and marketing alignment. And it goes back to our earlier point about focusing on the customer. So when you give customer success a seat at the revenue table, it really connects you closer to your customer. I know on the marketing side, there's a lot of folks that are saying left and right about how you should talk to your customer. And I think there's no better team other than CS to help you connect to your customer and, and gain that insight that you need to focus your strategy. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for us, since we're consultants, um, they are, for all intents and purposes, they are our customer success uh, team because they are the ones working with the customers and and getting to know those personas and how people like to work and how teams work together. So honestly, like as a marketer, there's no better gift really than being able to sit in a room with a bunch of consultants who have actually worked in the trenches with these teams and with these people. And you can actually get insights from them and, and say like, you're going to become a better marketer. You're going to do better work if you know the way that your customer is behaving behind the scenes. And that's not something that sales and marketing really get to see unless they're aligned with customer success. Mm -hmm. I also am thinking about something I read recently that was saying how statistically you're just going to make more money keeping your customers than getting new customers. And I know that Jen, our CEO is big on brain work. I know our brain gets a lot of you know, positive reinforcement when we, we chase the net new, we close the new deal, we bring in stuff. And I think our space, our SaaS space and our, our RevOps growth space is really focused on acquiring that net new and not so much on retention, even though that is a key driver of revenue. So for you, why do you think CS is left out of the revenue table? I mean, I think if there's still like that leftover perception of CS as I wouldn't even necessarily say a cost center, but just like a nice to have. Um, yeah. So it's like the revenue team is marketing, sales. I mean, even marketing had their had their moment where they were a cost center, right? And there's still some companies that believe that um, marketing is doing is going out and spending money. But I think traditionally CS is kind of forgotten about uh, because of that like dopamine hit of like, hey, net new business kind of once we've. Once we have them adopting our product or what have you, we can just kind of forget about it, which is so dangerous because like, as we know from RevOps, all we ever talk about is how to maximize that LTB. So it's like, yeah, you can get all the net new business in the world. Um, if you can't keep, if you can't hold on to it and expand it, it's like, <laughs> definitely. I don't I mean, know how so good much. it's going to be. <laughs> so Chris, he's the director of marketing. She knows marketing can be scrutinized at organizations. We're always justifying our budgets. I feel like sales folks maybe aren't <laughs> at that level of scrutiny all the time. And I, I know with CS folks, they are in a situation where they're really passionate about the product. And I think that can, it can be viewed, like you said, as a cost center uh, and not as, as a growth mechanism. And really there's not a lot of cost in a team that's really there to monitor signals of when a customer might be churning versus all the stuff that goes into the growth side of things. I think that's a, a big part of it. I also uh, think a lot about, so Echonimly, we, we read a lot of books, which is cool. Uh, one of them is Radical Candor by Kim Scott. And she has this idea of rock stars versus superstars. And so superstars are people on teams that are like always going for the next promotion. They really want to grow their career. And rock stars are people that are in love with what they do. And they are just invaluable uh, to the team. And I think with CS, I think they're just disproportionately more rock stars. And it's hard to be excited about rock stars uh, in that sense, um, because they're not always, you know, pushing for that next stage of the team, but they're keeping the team stable. Um, and so I think it's really important to be mindful of that. Totally. Yeah. I love that. Um, I love that analogy because I think with rock stars, like you said, it's like they are really the foundation of a lot of the work that you know, the superstars are getting to build off of and you need both. Like you just need both because it's the, like the way where I think in the beginning, we don't talk about this as much as uh, as much anymore, but like the generalists versus specialists and mm -hmm. companies need both, right? Like 
You're never going to find a company that has no specialists or like doesn't want specialists in a certain area. But at the same time, having those generalists really bridges the gaps between those people that are expanding and, and trying out a bunch of different things. And so like they're able to bridge the gaps between the rock stars who have these like very solid places to be and, and sit in. So I think the balance between generalists and specialists is really important for RevOps and, and getting that off the ground, right? So because before we have this model of if you specialize in this tool, this platform, you're going to experience exponential career growth in the beginning. And then you kind of plateau at a certain point because any team, even if you're not a RevOps team, they, they kind of want to see different skill sets. And so bridging the gap is really important. And I think RevOps is really cool because once you have a RevOps title instead of a marketing ops or a sales ops title, it's not weird if you want to dig into a tool or a part of the, the ops space at your org that traditionally someone from your team wouldn't be on. So I think that's really key on, on growing people's career and, and bringing it all together. Yeah, totally. And I think it's like also, you know, being able to trade that knowledge with people that are really good at one thing or people that have tried a bunch of everything and building each other up and creating those deeper wells of skill, I think. Mm, um, I like that. Super nice. So what are some trends that you are seeing in the space? Because I know that you hang out a lot <laughs> in our, our RevOps content worlds. I do. I actually just been hanging out a lot in this Slack. I joined RevOps Co-op and been just like, they, there are a lot of questions that just come from leaders at different you know, companies at different stages and different places in their RevOps journey. And it's been really interesting to see the focus on tools. And I think there was a time maybe five years ago where people are just like, they want all the newest, shiniest tools. Yeah. And now there's, I think, a little bit of a trend of simplifying that tech stack and really looking at, at how scalable it's going to be to just keep adopting new tools. Um, and I think that there's a lot more realization on the side of operations and leaders in general that, you know, just getting every new tool that comes out on the market, is not going to be the way to scale and really focusing in on process, which I think was something that was a little bit more rare when, at least when I started at GoNimbly, no one was really talking about like the, in the internal processes that mm. impact the customer in a company. So I think that's something that I think is pretty cool that I've seen a lot of. Yeah, I think that's really interesting to me. Because there's a lot of hills that I was willing to die on for <laughs> certain tools, thinking like that's going to really save my life. One of those is multi-touch marketing. And I feel bad for multi-touch attribution tools. I feel like they're just getting raked on LinkedIn. Like <laughs> there's like a war and B2B marketing influencers on LinkedIn are like, attribution's not real. I don't know if I'd go that far. I think it's all about borrowing from different things. But there was a world where as a go-to-market marketer, you know, the person setting up the trade show, managing the leads, handing them the sales, where I felt like I would really succeed and get more traction if I had this data to show that these amount and these combination of campaigns are really driving pipeline. And looking back, I don't think that that would really solve a lot of problems. There was a lot of other non-technical skills that I need to work on in my career, like communication skills, being able to say no to things, being able to explain ideas. Sometimes the data doesn't always speak for itself. Um, that's a really big trend that I'm now seeing in the RevOps space is we got the tools, we got the alignment, and then what? And I think there's still a little bit of work to be done so that way teams operate well together. Yeah. Totally. I think there was a time when it was just 
everyone was collecting all this raw data. And I remember we were working with companies that um, were saying like, okay, well, we have all this raw data. What do we do with it? Yeah. And I think now it's shaping up to be a little bit more like people know what they want to do with the data. Um, and it's now more around like really making the data work for you. Um, yeah. And figuring out how to how to do that in the cleanest possible way. Yeah, definitely. And I think, too, with the, the data piece, I think what we're finally figuring out and something that I kind of came in from this angle because I have a social science background. So we're very critical of like correlation versus causation. Right. And I don't think that a lot of people really think that way. And so we, you know, we'll see, hey, the data shows that if we send people this email, they're 20 percent more likely to MQL or complete a, a meeting. And, and then I think it's important to take a step back and say, wait, what else is happening? Is it just that email? Is it the time of year? Is it, there's just so many factors. And so it's hard because sometimes I get a little bit overwhelmed and then I think we can never predict anything and never use data to make decisions. <laughs> um, so there's a balance there, right? But I think we're in this moment where having a lot of data is not going to solve all our problems. And just having the people to sort this data, we really need to work together to borrow insights from each of our our different areas of information to to make the right strategic decisions. Totally. And I think what you were saying about attribution getting <laughs> raked over the coals and on LinkedIn is so true. And like you keep seeing those like marketing attribution is dead. And it's like, well, it doesn't have to be dead, but like I think people spend too much time worrying about it. I mean, I think there's there's a way to experiment and like learn from the stuff that you're doing and still get a lot done without having to really sit down and like map out a whole marketing attribution model and like worry about multi-touch versus first touch and like all that kind of stuff. There really is. And to kind of circle back to my earlier point, there's a world where if you are saying 80% of qualified held intro meetings, which is like the new MQL, right? Everyone's like MQLs are dead. Now we're just focused on like first meeting. If we say that like 80% of those come from marketing, sales is going to be pissed off and they're going to be defensive. And so there's a world where it's not just about capturing the data and having clean data, but it's about how we share those insights and how we position them because there's a way that you could share wins like that, that really break everyone apart and get people irritated. I think a lot about when I was younger and during Easter time, there was like this Easter egg hunt. Everyone goes crazy. Everyone's fighting for the egg. So this idea of like shared goals, you can't just have a shared goal. You can't just say like sales and marketing need to hit this, this amount of pipe. It's just with just that goal and no other framework, it's just going to pull people apart no matter how you look at it. And I think what we we thought marketing attribution software would would kind of solve for that and kind of segment things out so we really knew what was going on. And I think it's an important tool. I'm not not advocating for it, but I think there's a world where if we don't really think about the human aspect, the customer experience, we can really get pulled apart as teams. Yeah, I like think that that's so interesting that that specifically about like the KPIs and and there's just such a, I mean, it's not easy to do, but it just seems so simple to just say like, OK, like we're all working towards the end, which is the closed deal, right? Like we're working towards the revenue. So it matters who did what only in the sense that we want it to be a repeatable process, things that we can recreate if it was successful. But like when you come when it comes down to it, if everybody's success metrics are tied to revenue, we're all kind of rowing in that same direction. So it, there's less friction. Definitely, definitely. I'm going to keep on being a Go Nimbly 
band and just keep promoting us and say that I really like some of our frameworks. I think they really help us think about how we speak to each other, how we interact with one another. One of them that I love is called SCALE. And it stands for status, certainty, autonomy, likeness, and equity. And I'm not going to go through all the motions. Maybe I'll make another episode if people comment a lot about like, what is that? But it really causes you to take a step back and think about somebody's status or how we can, you know, create equity in an exchange or how we can think likeness, the L, how somebody gives us information and how they might want to receive information. I have found that little, what most people would probably call fluff goes a very long way. Like the numbers don't always speak for themselves. And I think having that little bit of room for yourself and your career to take a step back and think about how can I work on my communication? How can I work on some of my soft skills is really the icing on the cake of your numbers, your performance, your metrics, your KPIs. Yeah, I love scale also. I think it's it's a really interesting way of looking at your customer and your prospects as people. And I think that's like such a huge part of revenue operations is being able to say, okay, I'm talking to this person and what kind of outside factors really are able to sway a person one way or the other when they're making a decision. And I think like scale is one of the only frameworks that I've actually heard of that really gets to the core of that uh, in an actionable way. So I love it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are there any other trends or anything that you're seeing in the space? I know one thing that I'm seeing a lot of is like, who should RevOps report to? And I I say this with a smile because I think (laughs) it's the question we get asked the most. I know Christy's written a lot of content, so you know, PTSD, apologies in advance, but <laughs> who should who should RevOps report to? So it really depends, right? Like the traditional go nimbly answer is going to be the CRO. I think that that's the role that we've seen really grow on LinkedIn. And as the rise of RevOps was happening, it's like CRO was like the, the leader um, for revenue operations. But I think as companies get a little bit more familiar with what revenue operations is and how to adopt it. I think it it matters less what the title of the leader is and more about what their responsibilities are and the type of leader that they are. There's someone that's able to build bridges between the other functions and be able to talk to, you know, department heads about maybe why their work is not being prioritized above other work and really just rallying the troops around what the roadmap says that buzzword roadmap, what the roadmap says that the company needs to be doing in order to drive the most revenue. So we've seen chief customer officer, we've seen CEO, obviously, we've seen COO. And I think it's really more about the individual leader than the title. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I hear roadmap and I'm like already like a (laughs) next podcast episode already brewing because I'm I'm obsessed with roadmaps. We've built them for other clients and we have them internally and They are the thing for me that really kind of keeps the idea of repository going. We revisit it regularly and it really keeps those teams aligned. I think that's one of the core ingredients of RevOps is the roadmap. That's not just for your team, but it's for the whole org. Really keeps everyone on the same page. It really changes. Like, I won't get too much into it because you definitely need to do an episode with TJ. (laughs) our resident roadmap expert. But yeah, it really changes things. I mean, even our internal one, being able to be in those utility meetings and and feeling the progress that the whole team is making, even if it's something that you wouldn't normally be touching or like hearing about, it's just really energizing for the business. And it just keeps you focused in a way that's revenue driven and refreshing and aligning for the whole team. 
All right. Well, Christy, thank you so much for joining me on this kickoff episode. I'm really excited for this podcast. I cannot thank you enough for your support. And to recap just what RevOps is, so here are the core ingredients. The first is it has to include not only sales ops and marketing ops, but also CS ops for sure. It requires you to move from a specialist to a generalist model where we have an organizational structure that promotes generalist mindsets and not just specialist mindsets. And you also need to be customer obsessed. And the last ingredient is that you need a roadmap to bring all this together. And that is what we think RevOps is. And Christy, I'm wondering if I missed anything. I don't think so. I think those are definitely the big core things. The customer obsessed part is definitely key to it. Yeah, I think you got it. I think you nailed it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time. And I'm sure I'll see you soon. (laughs) Thanks, Adam. It was great being here.